You know, there are many times throughout history that uh, people, you, you remember, remember where you are when you have monumental moments in history happen. Um, from people of a certain generation, when man first landed on the moon, you remember where you were. You remember where you were when JFK uh, got shot. Uh, I remember where I was uh, when that stupid punk kid, Jeffrey Mayer, stole a fly ball out from Tony Tarasco and cost the <laughs> Orioles the American League Championship Series. Um, you know, I remember where I was when the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. And last week was such a day in the history of all of our lives. And I ask you, dear listener and viewer, where were you when you found out that Golden Sun was coming to the <laughs> Nintendo Switch? Truly a Dude, monumental day uh, in history. You want to know where I was? I was sitting in the parking lot of the Dunkin' Donuts in Middle River, Maryland, because that's the <laughs> only place where I could sit and watch the direct on my phone. Because um, I was trying to kill some time before seeing Les Miserables at the Hippodrome that night. <laughs> <laughs> and... When I tell you my phone exploded when, like, the Golden Sun box art was on screen for a second and a half, I got I got so many. I got added on Discord. I got DMs on Discord. I got <laughs> t- my Twitter exploded. My Facebook messages exploded. I got, like, three different texts. It's like, I want to say, like, 15 to 20 Different individuals all messaged me at the same time to be like, oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, that that is what happens when you literally build your brand on being the world's number one Golden Sun stand in the entire world. So, yeah, it's me. Uh, I'm 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 that guy. And uh, thank you to all of you who. Who made sure that I saw. Uh, But yes, I saw it. I saw it live and I am delighted so yeah we're gonna we're gonna just go ahead start this episode talking about the nintendo direct and golden sun was one of several games announced to be coming to the nintendo switch online functionality they have added game boy well well, before before you get started i i I do feel it necessary if you're new here this is the dense pixels podcast i'm your host brad joined by my co-host gary hi it is. It My is. Yeah. It is. It is truly. Like yeah. It is. It is. It is truly uh, a Nintendo themed episode. Um, you know, probably better that Mike is not here so that he does not have to nerd out about all this Nintendo stuff. Again, it's Nintendo news all up and down the docket, and then we're going to talk about uh, Steam Next Fest because uh, an indie developer is making the game that I never knew that I needed, but I can now not live without. But we'll talk about that later in the episode. Uh, as Carrie alluded to, there was a 40-minute Nintendo Direct. Uh, we were expecting surprises. Uh, we got some surprises. Um, we got some things that we, quite frankly, expected. Um, one of those things being Game Boy Advance and Game Boy coming to the Switch in terms yeah. of the like virtual console thing, dealio that they do. Yeah, uh, stoked on that. Uh, I mean, look. Game Boy and Game Boy Advance is what I grew up on as a kid. Like, I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast a few times, like, I did not have, like, a, a television gaming console as a child because my parents were like, oh, if we get you an N64, you're never going to leave the house. And you know what? They were probably right. Um, so <laughs> good on them. But I I had I had a Game Boy Color and then a Game Boy Advance. Um, so they're putting Game Boy and Game Boy Color games on switch online as well as game boy advance which i think they're reserving game boy advance for the um yeah, it's, switch it's online behind expansion the, it's behind past. the paywall 
in the same way that the Nintendo 64 games are behind the additional paywall, which still in the grand scheme of things is not that much money um, for sort of what you get from the expansion pass at this point, which, you know, also includes like a bunch of first party Nintendo DLC, like the Mario Kart expansions and the Animal Crossing expansions and whatnot. But yeah. yes, Golden Sun is, has been announced that it's coming to Switch Online, which means <laughs> none of you have a fucking excuse anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, really, none of us had an excuse before anyway, because you could have just emulated the motherfucking you thing. You could at have. This point. It's a very easy game to emulate. I've streamed it emulated a, a hundred times. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. Now, now you really don't have an excuse. Now, now you can't be like, oh, well, I don't want to download an emulator. I don't believe in piracy. Now it's like, no, just you have the Switch Online expansion pass. Fucking play it. Um, yeah. So. I'm very excited. It's not on there right now. It was announced alongside like Fire Emblem and uh, a couple other titles. Yeah, Met- as Metroid stuff Fusion. That is coming, yes, as stuff that is coming soon. Um, but yes, I will be absolutely playing it again because it's been eight whole months since I've played Metroid. <laughs> so I'm due. Uh, I think it's been longer than that at this point. I don't think I played through either of the Golden Sun games in 2022, but I know that I played through both the first two in 2021 so do you do you revisit three that much uh not as much as the others simply because it's slightly more of a pain in the ass to revisit because it's on ds because it's on ds um so i have replayed that game a couple of times um i like dark dawn uh i i'm gonna sit here and say that it's objectively not as good as the first two um but i still think it's a fun game it's a worthwhile experience the soundtrack is just Matoy Sakuraba at his most unhinged. Um, just they were it's like Camelot went just like, just do whatever you want, dude. And he was like, you know what? I'm gonna be a fucking prog rock genius and I'm gonna put the most insane shit to ever come out on this uh little handheld sound chip out there. Uh yeah, the Dark Dawn is absolutely worth playing, but it is a game because it's so sort of closely tied to what happens in the first two games. You really should be playing them in order. Mm-hmm. Um, but yay, Golden Sun. It's also, here finally. Similarly, yay. Um, they showed that the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy Color will also be available on Switch Online on the Game Boy end. And that's another game that I really think people should spend some time with. Um, Because it's a really cute, like, it could have just been, like, a completely menu-based card game. Mm -hmm. But they turned it into this really cute little RPG, and it's kind of open-ended, and it far and away has the best soundtrack on the Game Boy. And I'm not taking any feedback on that. I'm right. The Pokemon trading (laughs) card game for Game Boy Color is the best (laughs) Game Boy soundtrack. And um, if you disagree, you're wrong. Anyway, That's we're fair. getting Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, I like I said. I I feel I really I really hope that they don't um, slack in supporting these kind of the same way that they seems to have kind of slacked on in Nintendo sixty four and Genesis support. Yeah. Um, to oh. say nothing of the other of Super Nintendo and NES as well, because yeah. there's a lot of really good Game Boy Advance games that deserve to see time on this uh, on this service. That and, and again, they're starting out of the gate, but like. Just think of all like, you know, Pokemon Emerald and Ruby and, and and Sapphire and you have like the Castlevania, like when, you know, they start putting out the oh, Metroidvania yeah. games on DS and yep. all sorts of good shit that you can uh, go to. I did find it weird that one of the first games that's coming out is 
Super Mario Brothers Advance 4, which is really just the Super NES remake of Super Mario Brothers 3. Which it's I'm so, just like, okay. yeah, like the Super Mario Brothers games on Game Boy Advance are always like Super Mario Advance 3, Super Mario Brothers 2. And I'm like, can't, why did you not line these numbers up? <laughs> any point well so i'm trying to i'm trying to remember what it was now so super mario advance was mario 2 then mario advance 2 was yoshi's island which which also was a little bit weird all right so super mario advance was a port of super super mario brothers 2 super mario advance 2 was super mario world super mario advance 3 was super mario world 2 yoshi's island super mario advance 4 was super mario Mario brothers 3 3. yes makes no sense but you know what (laughs) All four great games, I owned them all on, oh, <laughs> on, sure. on the like, Game Boy Advance. The Advance so. ports were, were all just solid across the board. But, yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, outside of Outside of the uh, actual Game Boy, Game Boy Advance games, we're finally getting our fucking port or, or remake of Advance Wars 1 plus 2 Reboot Camp. That's finally coming out. Like, yeah. And, and here's later. the thing. It's fucking ready. They could release it now. I they're, don't understand why they're. I I, I figured out why. I figured out there, there's two reasons why they did not release it at this presentation. The first reason is because they shadow dropped Metroid Prime and they wanted to make sure Metroid Prime had its time in the spotlight. That's reason number one. Reason number two is they're still trying to sell as many copies as humanly possible as Fire Fire Emblem Engage, and so they don't want another turn-based strategy game to come out and delude the marketplace for that a little bit. That's probably right. Um, I thought about this yeah. after the fact. Yeah, so. yeah, that's, that's probably correct. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm uh, look, I'm stoked. We're finally getting it. Uh, that <laughs> Advance Wars has had just a run of really bad release dates. Going back to the fact that the original Advance Wars came out on September 10th, 2001. <laughs> how how ironic this game about war seems to be bookend, like releasing all around actual wars happening yeah, around the world. It's unfortunate. But, uh, we um, did. We got. We got a ten minute look at uh, Tears of the Kingdom, our most extensive look at Zelda so far, and the game trailer showed us much more than we've ever seen, and yet nothing at all. Nobody has any idea what this game is about. Nobody has any idea what the mechanics of the game look like outside of the normal Zelda mechanics that we would expect to see from Breath of the Wild. Well, what we did get, however, was uh, one Mr. Matthew Mercer. <laughs> Oh, is it confirmed? Is it confirmed that he's that's Matt Mercer? That's absolutely Matt Mercer. I I remember, like, again, I'm sitting in my fucking car in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, and that voice comes on, and I'm like, "Are you fucking serious?" Matt Mercer gets the voice Ganondorf, (laughs) (laughs) but good for him because you know he's a fucking elder nerd, and um, he this is a guy who. Very early on in his career was like cosplaying Ganondorf and portraying Ganondorf in a web series called There Will Be Brawl. So like good for him to come full circle. Proud mm-hmm. proud of that fucking <laughs> <laughs> fucking weeb. Um It looks like yeah. you can like build stuff in this Zelda now. Yeah. Like like it looks like you can make like mechanical constructs, which is uh interesting. So I, I saw some people saying this is the Banjo kazooie nuts and bolts of yeah. uh, <laughs> the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> And we have a release date now. It's coming out May 12th. Yes. Of, of this I'm year. So just 15th, a mere, yeah, mere three months away for Tears of the Kingdom, uh, which has a nice month of lead time before the hell month that is June uh, that will be beset upon us. So yeah. get get your Zeldas in now and then try to figure out how you're, you're going to juggle all the games coming out in June. So Yeah. 
Honestly, I mean, between Tears of the Kingdom and the Metroid Prime um, HD remaster being shadow dropped at the end of that, um, those were probably the two biggest things that happened. But the direct at large had so much else going on. Um, It was it was a solid direct. Um, You mentioned Metroid Prime that did come out uh, after the direct ended for $39.99. Reportedly, I haven't played it yet. Reportedly, the remaster is great. Um, I've. It's yeah. got like a fucking 95. That's on, insane. It's it like it's one of these things where like it's as perfect as it was when it first came out years ago, which yeah. and um, really you have goes the option. to show how well that game was designed in the first place that they can basically just up the shit out of it. And everyone was just like, yeah, it's just flawless. Nailed it the first time. Like and, and you have the option between dual stick control or you can use the Joy-Cons like you could use the Wii remotes uh, mm. in the in the remastered version that came out for the Wii yeah. um, many years ago. So that's very neat. I will get to this eventually. I'm not ready to get to it right this second because... Confession, yeah. uh, I have never played through Metroid Prime. Nor have I. I, I the, the only okay. Metroid Prime that I played was 3 because I didn't have a GameCube. So... Okay. I, I played Prime I, mean, I also didn't have a GameCube, but like I'm not I'm not huge into like the side scrolling Metroid games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also not huge into first person shooters. So Metroid Prime has always Me- sort of existed outside of it's not what it is. Like it's yeah. but it's it's really not though. Like like it 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 does not have any like it, it does not feel like an FPS. I'll put I'll put it to you that way. It, it, like even though it it technically is it's, it yeah. doesn't it really does not feel like one well, um, in terms of how the game plays out. It really just does feel like a third person Metroid game, <laughs> like, you know, for, for all for all intents and purposes. first person Metroid game. Yeah. 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 Um, a lot of RPG stuff in this direct, which Whole I'm not going to a lot of RPGs. And surprisingly, none of them are connected to farming. Um, <laughs> well, that was last year. This, this yeah. year. This year is about traditional uh, Japanese turn based RPGs. Last year was the farming year. Yeah. Um, so the Sea of Stars demo came out on the Switch. Um, that game is also coming out in, I believe, August of this year. That sounds right. I played through the demo. Um, it basically does a good job of laying out what that game is. It kind of gives you some insight to the characters, to the world. Um, and you get to mess with the battle system, which is kind of a hybrid between Chrono Trigger and Mario, the Mario and Luigi Game Boy Advance okay. RPGs because it because it has like a time button press like mechanic where you can do more right. damage or negate damage by by timing button presses uh, with attacks. Um, I liked it. It it does very much feel like um, these are people that are big fans of Chrono Trigger and they're just like we're gonna we're gonna make a modern take on that because it literally has like the combo system that Chrono Trigger has where you can build up a combo meter and then have your characters uh, team up for special attacks and the attacks are also a lot of the attacks have um area or directional um uh, pr- uh mechanics to them that depend on how the enemies are actually aligned in the world in on the battle screen okay. um so that's that kind of reminded me of that and that's pretty cool um the octopath traveler 2 prologue drops um another game that i started playing it is okay. Just like Octopath it's Traveler more, 1. It's more Octopath. Um, yeah. Look, so uh, Octopath Traveler 2 comes out in two weeks on February 24th. Um, eight new stories. Um, you know, it's fine. I enjoyed the first Octopath Traveler. Um, I never did, like, the full end game. Like, I did I did the, the boss rush at the end where the, you get, like, the big lore dump. And then, like, the final, final boss 
beat my ass wholesale in like three turns. And I was like, I am not grinding this shit out. <laughs> this is not worth it. I um, I hope they do a better job in this one of, of cohesively writing? tying a narrative together that actually makes that makes sense why the eight characters would join up with each other. Yep. Um that would be nice. You're not going to get that from the prologue. So the prologue um, lets you play three hours. Um, unlike, So I remember when they did the prologue for the first one, you could play the first chapter of two of the characters. Um, That's right. This you one. Therion or. Yeah. No. Yes. You, yeah, can, I, right. you can do Primrose and something else. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, this, this, is just, this you get three hours. To just yeah, three. You, you, you get want. three hours. You can explore the world to your heart's content. You can play any of the characters that you want to and your progress will carry over to the main game. Um, if you end up getting that again, battle systems the same. I love the battle system in this game. I just hope that the story is enough to keep you engaged. The music is also fabulous. Music like, is also I badass. I love yes. the soundtrack for the first Octopath Traveler. Um, so Octopath Traveler two feels like something I will get to eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, in so much that like I liked the first game. I didn't love the first game, but I liked it enough to play a sequel. Um, but I'm still trying to finish Elden Ring right now, and I've got Persona 3 Portable, and I just, like, I don't need here's, another hefty JRPG right here's now. Here's the problem, though, is that, so I don't I don't think Nintendo's publishing this one. They published the first one. I think or at least right. they had, Or at least they had a partnership with um, with Square. Because the first Octopath was... Originally uh, a Switch exclusive. It was originally a Switch exclusive. Yeah. This is not yeah. going to be. No. Um, so I'm it hoping is, that this game actually goes on sale sometimes. That would be nice. That would be great. I don't, I don't know that I want to pay full sixty dollars for it. I got to be honest. Yeah, um, it's one of these things where I will almost certainly download the demo and play it on a plane this year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got, um, I've got a two and a half hour flight to Minneapolis this year, and that's perfect. I'll play. I'll play the Octopath Traveler demo at that point in time. There you go. Perfect. That that'll be just enough time for you. Uh, they are putting out an Etrian Odyssey collection uh, for seventy nine ninety nine, um, or you can buy them individually. Yeah, that feels like a hefty price, but keeping in mind that Etrian Odyssey is one of these um, interesting little Atlas RPGs. It's more of a dungeon crawler style game than anything else. Um, I played the first one way back when it fucking came out. I mean, that's a long time ago now. Um, but the Etrian Odyssey games... At least, like, the physical copies of the games have been so hard to come by as this mm-hmm. game has sort of maintained this cult status over the last 15 years. So I'm I'm glad that they're doing an HD collection because it means that these games are now more accessible to people who want to play them. Um, so I'm there are people who, like, balked at the $80 price tag for all three of them. And I'm just like, one, that'll probably be on sale at some point because Atlas always discounts their shit. But two, like... It's still better than trying to find like a actual DS cart for like 150 bucks. Like, yeah. And, and, and the games have been re cause one of the things that and I, I had no fucking idea about this. I learned this in the presentation. One of the things in the Etrian Odyssey games is you actually like, well, draw you the make maps. your own maps. Yeah. Right. Um, which like, works like, great yeah. on a Nintendo DS. Um, obviously they had to re kind of fit that to work on the Nintendo switch, um, yeah. which they've done. Um, now for those of you like longtime fans that wonder why Carrie, stick so hard to like the hope that there'll be a new golden sun or that we'll see like a golden sun remaster or something like that one day. This is why, because if bad and Kaidos can get a remaster, this obscure Dude. fucking strategy card game from the GameCube, then literally anything, can. anything, anything can. Yeah. <laughs> Watson, 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 not just, 
just not just the first Baton Kaitos, which was the one that was like financially successful to a degree, but they're doing Baton Kaitos Origins too. So you're getting both Baton Kaitos games and an HD remaster. And those games are like really, really fun. And they're strange because they have this card-based battle system. I want to say that's another Matoy Sakuraba soundtrack too, but they're fun and they're good and they're weird. And they're this like niche little mm-hmm. JRPG pair on the GameCube that um, it feels like me and three of my friends care about. So this was not on my bingo card for the year. <laughs> I'll use any bingo card it. for I'm, eternity. I'm, yeah, <laughs> like, dude, like who, who, who was the person that was screaming outside Nintendo like, Remaster Ben Kaidos, you cowards! Like, who, yeah. who was that guy? Who I, was that I guy? Know. I don't know. Um, but they apparently had a slightly louder voice than those of us screaming. Yes. For the <laughs> Remaster. Um, and then... I, uh, I skipped over the Deca the Police trailer. Like, what is oh, what is yeah. that? I didn't even watch it. Deca Police is uh, the latest game from Level Five. Okay. Um, so, um, Level Five, which is of course um, known for Yokai Watch and Dark Cloud and Professor Layton. We are also getting a new Professor Layton game, which is very exciting. Yes, my wife is um, very excited. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, also like Nino Kuni. So yeah, a new Level Five RPG, new IP, um, Deca Police. Um, something about cops. I don't know. Um, the pig RPG looks good. Um, because it's because <laughs> it's level five. Uh, I'm curious about it. Um, anytime level five comes out with a new IP, I'm going to be innately curious because their history with RPGs is generally really good. So, um, deductive reasoning. You're a cop or a detective or some shit, and it's got JRPG elements. Cool. And then um, rounding it out is a bunch of DLC shit. Um, they showed off the first new original course that's coming to the Mario Kart 8 DLC, which is Yoshi's Yoshi's Island, um, which looking to see more there. And also Birdo finally coming to the game because apparently 49 characters was not enough. So we needed to no. add Birdo to the mix. Um, okay. They showed off the new Splatoon, D- Splatoon 3 DLC, which is coming out, which takes you back to the hub world from the first Splatoon game. Yeah. So there's there's Inkopolis and then there's Side Order, which mm-hmm. is like the big story DLC. Well, that so that's coming later. So they, they yeah, tease that. Later. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other ones. Now, here now they also showed off DLC for Fire Emblem Engage. And uh-huh. I was shocked when I was watching this presentation and they're like, we're getting ready to release Fire Emblem Engage DLC pack. Number three and DLC pack number four is coming very soon. And I'm just like, didn't this game come out like fucking three weeks ago? Like, how the fuck yeah. are we on DLC pack number three? At well, this point? So I think I think wave number one was like a day one DLC. Okay. And then wave two dropped like as soon as the direct was over. And then they announced wave three and four. But it's basically just like extra characters. I don't know. Again. I used to be a huge fan of Fire Emblem, and ever since they went with like the wee- weeaboo dating sim bullshit, which, side note, I like a weeaboo dating sim, <laughs> all right? Like, <laughs> I have played many just, weeby Just, just not in your turn, not in your turn-based strategy want, game. <laughs> I don't want that shit in my turn-based strategy game. Um, so, yeah, so they're adding Crom and Robin and Veronica and... Um, Hector and Camilla. So basically like a bunch of other characters from past games that you can pair up with the new characters and engage again. I haven't played in any of engage. I don't know how any of that shit works. Do you, do you have to pay the for only this? character? Huh? Do you have to pay for this? Uh, yeah, it's an expansion eh. expansion pass. 
So, mm. okay. York. Um, outside of that, a few other um, outside of that, the DLC. Um, a few other things I forgot to mention. A bunch of other big time remakes and ports that I'm super excited about. Namely, uh, we love Katamari Reroll with mm. plus Royal Reverie, which comes out in June. Uh, we love Katamari is a fantastic game. Uh, after they did the original Katamari Damacy Reroll a few years ago, I was like. All right, so like we love Katamari's next, right? And it took them a few years, but they're finally doing it. Um, that's going to have a free game trial for Nintendo Switch Online members starting next week on February 20th. And again, not not on my bingo card, but super, super stoked on fucking Ghost Trick is getting an HD yeah, that's right. master. Yeah. Um, Ghost Trick is such a good game. One of my all-time favorites from the DS. Um, yeah, please play Ghost Trick. It's, it's really, really, really fun. If you're a fan of stuff like the Ace Attorney games or anything like that, um, it's a murder mystery game. Uh, you're a ghost. It's a really, really fun time. So I'm stoked that Ghost Trick is coming back and will be available to a new audience. But overall, um, really good Nintendo Direct. Like there there wasn't anything in there where I was just like that sucks. Like there was something basically for everyone here. It, it, and it always helps when so like one of the big focus of this direct was the stuff here's stuff that's coming out in the first half of 2023. Yeah. And I think that's helpful cuz I I think where they get into trouble sometimes is when they have a light release schedule and they are only trying to talk about stuff that's on their corner and then it seems kind of weak. Like there's a lot of shit coming out on the switch in the first half of 2023, which is good. Like they need people to keep talking about the switch because the, you know, the groundswell keeps you know talking about a, a, a successor at some point. And I know that Nintendo is definitely not ready to have that conversation yet. So the more that they no. can do to keep the no. switch as a good value prop. I am probably like, I feel like I'm on the verge of getting an OLED at this point. And that's simply because I am still playing with a day one switch from 2017. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I gotta um, tell you, if you play like a jet engine, uh, when if you I play in handheld mode, if you play in handheld mode a lot, it's kind of worth it. You know what I mean? Like, like if you play would, docked most of the time, I wouldn't say you need to worry about it, but yeah, yeah, I, I would say I play docked most of the time. Um, but Again, like I'm doing a decent amount of traveling this year um, mm-hmm. between work and um, playing at conventions. So uh, I, I feel like it, it wouldn't be so bad to go ahead and do that. But yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, so that was that was the direct. Uh, that was the direct. But don't for, don't don't fret, dear listener, more Nintendo news uh, after we talk about the fact that you can join our discord if you have not done it yet, and you should, you can go to densepixels.com slash fans and find all the conversation between all of our listeners going on in there. We have tons of channels. Do we? Do you think we just talk about video games on this show? Absolutely not. We have channels for wrestling. We have channels for soccer. We have channels for Formula One racing and other racing series. Want to try to find a fellow listener to play a game with online? Use our LFG channel. We got it in there for you. At some point, I'm going to remember to add a channel where people can drop their usernames just like we had on Facebook a long time ago. Ooh. Why we didn't do that up front, I've got no fucking idea. Because we're fucking call. dumb. We've had this Discord for like three years now. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and nope. we just forgot about it. But just uh haven't, not once. Yeah, don't forget to go to densepixels.com slash fans. If you're on YouTube, if you're, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you might not realize we release it in video form every single week. And you can check it out on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash densepixels. 
click that subscribe button while you're there. Ring the bell icon. You'll be notified whenever we post a new episode. We post it just in time for your commute to work, by the way, or when you first get to work so you can listen to it when you get there. Exactly. It's pretty fucking great because we're we, 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 we care about you like that. We love you. We do. Now, if you're listening on podcasts feed of some kind, make sure that you don't just subscribe to Dennis Pixels. Oh, no, no, no. You want to subscribe to all of the other TNP studio shows as well, including the Nerdpocalypse, Black on Black Cinema, Coming Distractions, and the weekly preview episode, the free episode of the Look Forward Political Podcast. If you listen to all that stuff, that's a lot of content that you get every single week for TNP Studios. And you're like, that is a lot of content. But I'll tell you something. I need more content. I need more TNP Studios well, we have got you covered with our premium subscription that you can get by going to densepixels.com slash premium. It only costs $5 a month or $50 if you sign up for an entire year. And that gets you the premium shows, which is the Aryan Grievances, our Seinfeld podcast. No Time to Bleed, our James Bond slash spy movie podcast. Uh, or that, Sorry, that's our action movie podcast. No, the Mount of the Golden Tongues is the James <laughs> Bond spy movie podcast. I don't normally do this ad read. This is Micah's job. Um, <laughs> Upstage Conversation, which is our uh, musical movie podcast. And you get the full batshit crazy 90 minutes, two hours sometimes episode of the Look Forward Political Podcast. Look, we save the really good stuff for behind the payroll with Look Forward. Of course. Of course. If you've not, like, like, like some, sometimes we release a free premium episode of Look Forward out into the wild to give you a taste, to, to see what it's like behind the curtain when me and Jay are a couple drinks in. And 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 we're and we're feeling a little loosey goosey. We're we're, we're feeling a little loose. Jay's drinking his wine. I've got a whiskey. We're talking politics. It gets a little crazy. You can sign up for that by going to netflix.com slash premium. We've been talking a lot about game companies and how generally uh, they suck ass yes. because they're out here. They're losing. They're not even losing money. They're just making not as they're, much money. They're, they're laying people off. They're yeah. busting unions. They're being terrible to their employees not nintendo not nintendo so nintendo, nintendo announced in their in their latest financial report that switch sales try saying that five times fast dropped 20 percent year over year in their last financial earnings statement however despite that they are going to be racing raising developer pay 10 percent across the board which is pretty fucking cool in the wake of all these other companies that are doing layoffs. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo president Shintaro Furukawa said, quote, it's important for our long-term growth to secure our workforce. That is the right attitude to yeah, have. That is correct. Um, so uh, I feel like this is something that Nintendo has historically been pretty good at as far as like maintaining strong raises for their employees. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we are dealing with uh, wicked global inflation right now and a uh, whole lot of other bullshit in the economy at large. But uh, it is nice to see a company as large as Nintendo continue to treat its employees uh, in such a way that uh, ensures that the uh, the people responsible for making presumably very good games such as Metroid and Tears of the Kingdom, etc., uh, want to continue to work for the company to make those games in the future. So um, there are some American companies that could probably learn a thing or two for how, from how Nintendo runs things over in Japan. So yeah, who'd, who'd have thought that weathering a temporary storm, you know, could make you a nice place to work? And again, that's not to say that Nintendo is immune from 
uh, some troubles. Like we've heard some no. issues that they've had with contractors in the past. Of course, the fucking Saudi Arabian uh, government investment fund has bought a sizable stake in Nintendo. Um, these are all things that we can talk about and acknowledge. But at the same time, we should acknowledge when they're doing uh, good things out there, like taking care of their workers. Um, the Mario movies coming out. In a couple yep. months. And I wasn't particularly excited for it. Like, I'm going to watch it. I'm probably going to see if you and I can get the review because that would just make the most sense, I feel like, for, for this oh, yeah. network. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, like, not, like, salivating for it. That is. No, I mean, I look, I have a fucking yeah. Princess Daisy tattoo and I wasn't, like, salivating for yeah. this movie. But also, I haven't seen any of Daisy yet, which is my one gripe about <laughs> this movie. But However, uh, uh, they are... Like, Making it old school. Yeah, they we we found out that they are leaning into a lot of the nostalgic Mario in jokes, including uh, the Mario rap from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. So again, they are hoping that we are all going to go to the theater and be hooked on the brothers uh, to be coming and watching that. That's that's pretty fucking cool. Um, apparently, they do the rap in like a super Mario brothers plumbing company commercial that's in the movie, um, yeah. which is like a local uh, TV spot. Also very cool is that the, uh, the, the homeowner in the commercial is voiced by the same voice actor, the same who actress voiced, who did, uh, princess uh, peach and Toadstool in yeah. the old super show. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very so, neat. Um, the spot do- does end with uh, a website, smbplumbing.com, which you can visit. And that is also full of, Easter eggs and various little hidden things that you can click on. And then there's also a phone number, which is 92955 Mario, that will uh, deliver a lengthy listen to Charlie Day as Luigi. So uh, you apparently can also text that number, though I'm not sure what happens when you do that. But uh, yeah, look, everything I've been seeing from this movie, like the people who are making this movie clearly have a lot of love, not just for like the games but for the franchise at large mm-hmm. which is it's it's really nice to see um i mean uh, it it feels like you know again between the super mario brothers movie and pokemon detective pikachu and uh the sonic films after they fixed the way sonic looked uh we quite <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of snow over there so look Ugly Sonic has its place in the world. It is just not in the actual movies. It's in a different movie. It's in Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, but yeah, look, it, it feels like, you know, we're in this this really lovely little era of uh, animated or, you know, at least in the Mario Brothers film, fully animated, but in Pikachu and Sonic's case, the hybrid animation live action. Mm-hmm. Um these these lovely little films that are just like true to the source material and are just like love letters to the franchises. Um, and I'm 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 excited. I'm excited for the Mario Bros. <laughs> like movie. It, it turns out all we really needed to do was get Thomas W. S. Anderson or Paul W. S. Anderson out of directing uh, these fucking movies. And <laughs> look, that being said, I did enjoy the Monster Hunter movie. <laughs> <laughs> what well, did it take place good. in? Like, did it take place in like a modern? Like, it doesn't take place in like a modern day setting. No, it's like a that? fucking isekai. Like a fucking military bus gets warped into the Monster Hunter universe, oh, and okay. then Mila Jovovich has to fight a Diablos. Like it's really stupid, and I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I mean, again, that be like also, I 
you know, everyone enjoys the first Mortal Kombat film, even though it's awful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously. And then and then he only had one place to go from there. Uh, Carrie, why don't you tell people where pe- they should where be they purchasing can, their uh, wares? They can they can purchase all of their fine Mario Brothers merchandise. Well, you can go ahead and you can sell your soul to Jeff Bezos by going to densepixels.com slash Amazon. And we know that you shop at Amazon. We all shop at Amazon. No one feels good about shopping at Amazon, but you can feel a little bit better about it if you go to densepixels.com slash Amazon, because that means we get a little tiny bit of that kickback. And, uh, you know, they skim off a little bit of the fat for us here at uh, Ye Old Dense Pixels Podcast. How many fucking episodes do we have now? God, we're we're nearing uh, 460, I want to say. Yeah. Look, we've been doing this a long time. And uh, this shit costs money. So uh, when you shop at Amazon for all the dumb shit you're going to buy anyway, you can feel a little bit better about shopping at uh, a terrible corporation. Densepixels.com slash Amazon. There you go. Thanks. Uh, if you thought that this was going to be all Nintendo this week, you're wrong. Um, we have, or I have Close a though. game to talk about. So I talked last week, Steam Next Fest, uh, I think just ended today, if I'm not mistaken. And here's why I love indie games. Okay. Uh-huh. Indie games are willing to go out there and do some shit. They're willing to go out there and try some stuff that no one ever does because they don't need to sell 5 million copies of a game. For it to be successful. And sometimes a game gets made that reaches directly into my brain and said, what if we could take what what if we could make the the Reese's peanut butter cup that you didn't (laughs) realize you needed, but it's going to be fucking amazing when you bite into it. And I said, well, you could try, but what are you going to do? And they said, what if we take Slay the Spire and mash it up with With NHL 94? (laughs) And I'm just like. Well, obviously, this is going to be probably one of my favorite games of all time. And, and so, uh, indeed, uh, there was an X-Fest demo that I played for a game called Tape to Tape, uh, which is a hockey roguelike game. And let me tell you something. I enjoyed the shit out of it and cannot yeah. wait for the game to come out in a couple months. So you're probably thinking to yourself, how the fuck can you make hockey into a roguelike? And here's how. So when when you start the game, when you start the campaign, mm-hmm. you basically pick a, a superstar player. Like they, they give you like here's three different superstars you could choose from. Um, and you play with your team of five skaters and a goalie. Two of your players are going to be superstars, right? And the other players are just kind of like grunts that are kind of plugged in. The thing that makes the superstars what they are is they each have a special skill. Um, sometimes that skill is they can do like a special, like double spinorama move, which is pretty cool, which normal players can't do. Uh, one of the other ones is called Tomahawk and it lets you throw your stick at one of the other players in the ice and knock them out, which is really exciting. Sure. (laughs) And so you have your superstars and then you go through a a slay the spire, like branching path roguelike thing. And the stops along the way are games that you have to play against opposing teams um, and or like training opportunities, basically, as you go through and like getting those games will unlock new power ups that you can assign to your players. Uh, your player some of your like grunt players can evolve into other forms of players. So like you can take your medium sized grunt player and involve him, evolve him to a big player who has high checking but slower speed or a small player who's very fast but can't can't throw a hit. Um, 
And or you can get like what they call artifacts, um, which are basically like power ups that give your team like a stat boost in the first period of every game or lets the referee start throwing body checks on the opposing team. Uh, <laughs> when, when do you want them to? All right. And the gameplay um, is very, very reminiscent of NHL 94. It's that very easy to access. Like there's only three buttons and your skater pad um, that you have on the screen. And you can kind of deke just by doing your normal controller moves and, it's really fun to play uh, when you get to the end of each act. There's a boss team that you have to face off against. The, in this case, the boss team was a team full of other referees uh, <laughs> where you where you skate against five referees. And it was funny because the first goal that I scored uh, got waved off by the referee because he was just trying to throw the game for his buddies. Essentially, <laughs> like that's kind of a mechanic that you have. Um, it's really fun whenever you beat bosses you unlock like new power-ups that you can use in future runs you can also unlock uh new superstar players and new artifacts so the game seems very replayable it's really really fun like like i i enjoyed it thoroughly um looking for i think the game comes out in april um so that's tape to tape uh if you if you like nhl 94 like the old style nhl games and are looking for something a little bit different a little bit off the beaten path uh this was really fun highly recommend checking it out nice yeah uh, we have, us yeah, we have a very robust uh, post, office post office this week. So <laughs> let us dive right in as I find the first message. I will, I will start. We will go to J-Man who says, with the Metroid Prime remake finally announced in the latest direct coming in at $40, what's the most money any of you have spent on a game you've already purchased twice asking for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it was probably $40 because I think I bought Skyrim like three or four times between uh xbox 360 pc and switch um and then like i've also bought like i feel like i've bought like five or six copies of paradise killer for people yeah. but i tend to buy that game when it's down to like eight dollars and then i just like shove it at my friends until they play <sighs> i'm trying so there's a handful of games that i've bought three times or more um mm -hmm. Slay the Spire was one of those games, but I, I caught that on Steam on sale, so that so that wasn't very expensive. Darkest Dungeon I bought three times, but again, I waited for it to be on sale when I bought it the third time <laughs> on, on on Switch. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe Hades. Like I spent twenty bucks to buy Hades on Steam, even though I already own it on PlayStation and Switch. Okay. As well. Yeah. If I, if I'm buying a game a third time, I'm not spending more than twenty bucks. I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've probably spent 30. Now, the second time, I'm pretty sure that I've spent full retail on the second oh, copy. Well, of a couple yeah, 100%. Of, a couple 100%. Dude, yeah, absolutely. And, and not even counting remakes, just I need an extra copy of this game to play on this other platform that I have. Mm -hmm. And I want to spend all this money. Like, it, it's a good thing that Monster Hunter Rise does not have cross-progression across consoles. Oh, because if dude. it did, holy shit. I probably would have bought it on the Switch already at this point. Yeah. Film Wanderer says, God damn it, Nintendo. I want to switch really badly, but I have have trepidations about it since I don't know when they'll start their creation of a follow-up system. Seeing that they'll release Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games for it is swaying me like Selma Hayek's hips in the latest Magic <laughs> Mike's Last Dance movie. Yeah, Selma Hayek, though. Uh, guess my question is, should I get one despite its age? Up to you, man. I mean, I would not say that the Switch is worth 
just getting for the sake of the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance stuff. But if mm-hmm. there's like a handful of other games that are Switch exclusives that you want to play, then like, yeah, fucking get it. If you haven't played Breath of the Wild yet, what the fuck is wrong with you? Go play Breath of the Wild. Yeah, there. I mean, there are certainly enough games on the Switch to warrant a purchase of it, even though there is there has to be a new model coming within the next probably two years. Yeah, um, like 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 a new version. Um but it depends on how many of these games is like Harry said, if it's, if you're just doing it for the, for the retro stuff, I don't think Nintendo has bought enough goodwill with the release cadence of the games no. on those systems to warrant doing it just for that. No. Um, but if there's other to Carrie's point, if there's other Nintendo exclusives, then yeah, why not? Um, Johnny Chief says, what's up with people complaining about Zelda being $70 when this was us in 1997? And he posts a Toys R Us ad with uh, Doom 64 listed at $74.99. Uh, Gretzky's 3D Hockey at $74.99. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've never quite understood the pushback against the games being increased to $70. It's something that could have happened a while ago. I think it's just because... Like, I think all game companies are going to just eat that um, when they when they make that jump, because we had the same issue when we got to the gen. What was it? Gen mm-hmm. six consoles where we went from 50 to 60 um, for box mm-hmm. copies of games. I mean, to be frank, like we were lucky that in the late 90s that PlayStation was like, oh, we don't have to keep up with pricing for cartridge based games like we can charge 40 and 50 dollars for these CD yeah. based games. And that kind of reset the marketplace a little bit. Um, whereas in today's society, uh, there's no way a corporation would do that. They would look at what Nintendo was charging and they would say, well, we can get away with charging it too because our games are better and yep. we'll just make a shitload of profit. So, yep. Uh, Johnny also make sure to s- send a note to Micah saying, uh, Micah can now proudly say on air that the city of Philadelphia has lost three major championship games in less than six months. Uh, that would be Philadelphia. Uh, to, to be wait so wait three major what other major championships did philly teams lose in the last six months i know the phillies lost the world series obviously okay so uh soccer baseball and football um, no one's I, I, look i love soccer and i don't what? give a shit about mls i'm sorry like i like if the philadelphia union was in there i don't either now that being said one of my old co-workers did post on facebook that with the and and i quote with my soccer baseball and football teams all losing in the championships this year and my basketball team talented but flawed enough to make but not win the finals i want to give a shout out to the dog shit philadelphia flyers for being bad enough for me to never have to pin any hopes on them. <laughs> they are so bad right now <laughs> it's crazy awful. they are so well and, and it's because so and excuse <laughs> carrie and i for getting off on a hockey tangent on this show no, but without you. mikey here We're to talking racing. hockey and you can yeah, deal with it you're fucked um the fact that the Flyers refuse to do a tear it down to the studs rebuild is the reason why they will always be in this perpetual state of bullshit yeah. until they yeah. can they, until they can do that, essentially. So it's it's genuinely hilarious because it's not like they, they weren't that bad a few years ago. Um, but like, yo, they are fucking awful right now. Yeah. Two twenty three and ten. I guess that's not I mean. They're seventh in the division. Just just a just a hair ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, well the Col- but Columbus um, sucks perpetually as well. So they do. They <laughs> what do. What you gonna do? However, they do have a cannon inside of their stadium. And I think that's neat. Um, 
That's all I have to say about Columbus. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, Cam says, will Rihanna be DLC for the next Super Smash Brothers game? To Her halftime performance did look like Final Destination. To which I say, leave Sakurai alone. He's he suffered enough for all of us. So Yeah, honestly. Uh, Anthony asks, any thoughts on the anime convention that bans non-anime cosplay? So this was the first time I heard of this. There's a convention in fucking Idaho called Neo Anime <laughs> Oasis. Of all, of all places? Really? Yeah, Idaho? Right? In Boise, Idaho. Like, if you're listening and you're from Idaho, like, sorry, but like, uh, uh, whatever. Um, so they they're doing a hardline policy on cosplays that do not draw from uh Japanese anime, manga, or Japanese games. Um, they're like, it's not a pop culture event, so we are prohibiting costumes that don't fit the convention's themes, and we're doing this for an intimate experience, and it basically just sounds like a child throwing a fucking tantrum because someone wearing a Deadpool costume showed up to their anime show last year, uh, to which I say, go fuck yourself, uh, relax, it's not that serious, you buys are, y'all are all same fucking nerds wearing the same fucking outfits. The guy dressed as Deadpool probably watches too much Dragon Ball Z, and uh, the guy dressed as Goku probably reads a lot of American comic books. So, yeah, I understand that there's, like, there's this weird pushback in certain parts of the convention community to try and have things, like, fit really neatly into teeny tiny little boxes. And you can still do that. You can still have, like, an anime-specific show by booking anime specific guests and having anime specific programming and panels and workshops and whatnot. But like, don't fucking police the people who are paying to be there by telling them that they can't wear certain costumes because it doesn't fit the theme. Go fuck yourself. Like I've been attending conventions since literally 2002. Okay. And if I was a young teenager and I like wanted to go to an anime show and I was told, oh, you can't wear this or that. I would just not want to go to that show. Um, yeah, all, all, so, you're, all anyway, you're going to do is drive people away from your convention. Even even people that might not have worn something that you didn't want them to wear might have still just been like, I just don't like the overall tenor of how you're how you're treating yeah, folks exactly. and, and be less inclined to go. Plus, you're in fucking Boise, Idaho, like. Take what you can get, Christ Almighty! Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, Cam says, "Here's a question from Xavier Woods Twitter: What console has your favorite overall collection of soundtracks?" His answer was Sega Saturn. Bizarre answer, by the way. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I, the Saturn has enough games to to warrant this uh, being the answer. But here's the thing about the Saturn: is like every game on the Saturn had a banger of a soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> So this like, is a I hard. It's really hard. I yeah. saw this question come in and I had to really sit and think about it. And I think it's one of those things where I have to, I have to separate my favorite from what I think is like the best. Cause I mm -hmm. think the best collection of soundtracks bar fucking none is the super Nintendo. And it's like, I don't think it's even close between the amount of JRPGs between like just the breadth of different games and genres and musical stylings of that era i think bar fucking none the super nintendo has the best collection of soundtracks objectively that being said my favorite is the game boy color so 
I so <laughs> for me, and and this really is true of all pre-disc based um, consoles that came out. I think it's so impressive what composers did with yeah. old school um, game soundtracks because again, Super Nintendo soundtracks has have some of the very best game soundtracks of all time, and they were all done on an eight channel fucking sound card. Yep, and they were they were done on the Nintendo S SMP. Um, yeah, yeah, and the capacity of sixty four kilobytes. <laughs> Yeah, and and you and and so what they could what some composers could pull out of such a technological limitation uh, is to be commended and really like like if you go back and kind of analyze a lot of the music from that era, like just really like taking musical theory lessons and just being very smart composers and just making them work within the confines um, that that they were presented with. Now that being said. Um, I think game soundtracks have generally only gotten better and there's certainly some flatter sound, like some flat soundtracks that have fallen flat over the years, but it's kind of hard to like dismiss the PS4 era of soundtracks. And again, like the lines get blurred a little bit because everything's like most games that come out now are, you know, on both consoles and, and there's not like console exclusivity, but I think just that whole previous generation that we got out of have amazing game soundtracks from oh, start yeah. to finish and, and of very different varieties, whether it's like fully for orchestral scores to stuff like persona five has where it's, you know, basically jazz fusion, like intermingled throughout everything. Um, even the journey was a PS three game like that got a PS four port. So I'm counting it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, Austin yeah. wintry is, uh, a very good composer. Grammy um, Grammy nominated Austin Winery. Look, so. <laughs> I've, I I consider myself extraordinarily fortunate to have been able to perform Apotheosis from Journey um, under the direction of Austin Wintery at Magfest yeah. this year. Um, and and but even indie games, so like forget. you know, well, fucking Shovel Knight, Undertale. Dude, you don't have to tell me about yeah. indie games. I literally yeah. just did a whole fucking orchestra right. season focused on indie games. Um, I mean, I'm I'm coming to this question as someone who arranges and covers video game music. It takes up all of my spare time. It's all I think about these days. Mm. Um, is is how to take some of this stuff and turn it into something else. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really interesting. I mean. To, to go back to those earlier sound chips, to go back to like the Super Nintendo um, and, and the Genesis, which had, you know, eight, six to eight audio tracks that they could mm. be doing simultaneously and uh, the kind of crazy stuff that these composers were pulling off. Um, and I don't know. I just I feel like the era and like maybe this is just me being a fucking 33 year old, but I feel like the <laughs> I feel like the 90s era of game soundtracks like was memorable because they had to do so much with so little. Um, whereas I don't know that outside of like occasional big hits, like mm -hmm. the persona five soundtrack or journey. Um, I don't know that we're getting the same level of memorability in contemporary gaming soundtracks. And again, that, you know, that just might be me being a fucking curmudgeon. Um, I totally accept that, but I, I gravitate and, you know, if you follow, if you're friends with me on Facebook or you follow me on Twitter, um, you probably see me posting a lot about the video game final that I have, 
And most of the vinyl that I have is stuff that's like Game Boy soundtracks or Genesis soundtracks and stuff like that. I'm not really buying a ton of like contemporary video game soundtracks um, just because like it doesn't speak to me in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's also it's a matter of taste. Um, again, to to go back to Cam's question, like what's your favorite overall collection of soundtracks? For me, it's the Game Boy Color because um, that's, you know, for me, that's nostalgic. Um, but there's also so much that was done again in that teeny tiny little sound trip. Um, all those old Pokemon themes, the the Legend of Zelda games that were put on that. And then you have other like standout games like X and um, God, the RoboCop Game Boy game mm-hmm. is just like weirdly really good in terms of the soundtrack. Um, I don't know. Magi Nation Pokemon trading card game, which I talked about earlier. Again, like I think the Pokemon trading card game soundtrack um is perhaps one of the best soundtracks of all time um and i'm ready to throw down about it but uh yeah i don't know it's just it's uh it's it's so hard to compare what was done 20 years ago to what's being done today because today you can have a full it's like comparing it's like comparing athletes across eras like it's like like everyone's like oh like so-and-so is not better than Babe Ruth I'm like yeah but you know Babe Ruth wasn't playing the same game that people today today are playing in many ways so kind of it's kind of like you you almost have to like have compare people within amongst their contemporaries more so yeah than uh than against across different eras yeah it's it's tough um but yeah for me it's, it's the generation that just passed I would say so far Tin Man says, I know we all it's have a mirror. So. All right. Well, whatever. I, I don't ever remember. Put if you want me to read your name correctly when I'm reading the post office, <laughs> change your fucking server name to your actual name. Otherwise, I'm just going to call you your server name. Uh, Amir says, I know we all have favorite video game soundtracks and characters, but do you have any favorite quote? I like what is better to be born good or to overcome your evil nature through great effort from Skyrim. I mean, come on. What, what is a man? Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, what is a man? <laughs> miserable a miserable pile little pile of secrets. So. Um, it's interesting. I've been I've been mentally revisiting Pentiment. I haven't replayed the game yet much as I like really want to. I just like I'm not in the right headspace for it yet. But I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot. And there was there's one moment in Pentiment um, towards the end of the second act where Andreas is confronting the memory of his deceased son in the labyrinth of his own mind. And he's thinking of his wife and whatnot. And, um, you know, sort of un, un, unable to reconcile these sort of uh, images of, of his family he has in his mind. And you're given two options as far as how you want to answer. And one of them is, can you ever picture someone clearly if you love them? And the other is, can you ever picture someone clearly if you hate them? And that choice, those two dialogue options, like, hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. Man, like, it's just like, it's so well done. And in the moment, I was just like, Ugh. so that's it for me. That's that's what's <laughs> immediately. I, I'm, I'm a basic bitch. Um, like, like, there's some that uh, ring funny to me. Uh, Go home, be a family man. Also a classic. Oh, of course. I mean. From, from Street Fighter 2. Um, especially if you know the lore, because Ken, Ken is married to uh Guile's sister so uh that that is more uh that's more there you know it and and maybe maybe this is an indictment of me uh as someone who doesn't pay attention uh maybe it's an <laughs> indictment of the fact that maybe most games writing isn't that good 
Um, but I have like there's been very few lines from any video game that have kind of stuck in my head um, as as being very distinctive. So, Johnny, back with another one. Tinfoil hat time. Now that Nintendo Switch Online has Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, how big of a check does Nintendo need to cut to get the mainline Pokemon games on it? Make it compatible with Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2, which are already coming to NSO. Now, that second part, I think, is going to be tough because that's going to require a level of reprogramming that I don't know they really want to fucking deal with. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they have to cut that much of a check to get no, the Pokemon think- games. You know what You know what? Would really wouldn't surprise me at all? If on uh, Pokemon Day on 226, is that what that mm-hmm. is this year? Um so yeah, if on February twenty sixth, uh, which a lot of people are predicting, they're going to do a quick like Pokemon Day direct where they're probably going to announce the DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and some other shit. If they were like, "Hey, remember when two weeks ago we said that Game Boy and Game Boy Advance were coming to Nintendo Switch Online?" Bip bop. Here's Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow today. Pokemon Gold, Silver, Crystal are coming in another few weeks, and then so on and so forth into the Game Boy Advance line mm-hmm. later on. So that's well, what and, I. And the the only reason they wouldn't is if they wanted to try to repackage those games, like to make if they made another like Let's Go, Let's Go series yeah. for you know for. But for like Gold even still, like the Let's Go games were so different. Like they're games that are in right. Kanto, but they're not really Red and Blue. Um. So yeah. Um. Trey asks, is stealth dropping a game a good thing for said stealth drop game? Is Hi-Fi Rush an exception more than Metroid Prime Remaster is? Yeah, it's different because those games are two very, very different situations where Hi-Fi Rush was like, here's a brand new IP and Mm -hmm. uh, it's available right now today. Whereas Metroid Prime Remaster is here's a series that's been around forever and ever and ever. And here's the remaster you fucking dorks have been asking for for the last 10 years. I, I, I really, and we talked, I think Mike and I talked about this a little bit last week. It really does depend on the game itself. Um, because there, there are some games that just do not have a year, 18 months worth of hype to tease out. They just yeah. don't. So, like, so, like, if you announce certain, like, if you announce Hi Fi Rush a year ago and you have to tease it out over the course of a year, there just ain't enough there. And, and the no. game can be met as a disappointment in that case. Um, I think the other factor, that makes Hi-Fi Rush a bit of an exception uh, is Game Pass is a thing. Yep. Like they, like there are thousands and millions, thousands and thousands of people who tried that game that would never have paid $30 for that game because they had a Game Pass subscription and they could try it with no strings attached. And because the game is good, it got positive word of mouth and that positive word of mouth spread to that people on like Steam and things like that were then buying the game. Uh, yep. For 30 bucks because people were telling us how fucking amazing the stealth drop game was. Certainly doesn't work for every game. I think the right games in certain scenarios, um, that's a great way to do it because you build immediate hype around it. Um, you get word of mouth going. People want to check out this new thing. Now, if the game blows, then, you know, <laughs> then you're kind of, you're yeah, kind of screwed. I mean- that's it. I mean, like, Hi-Fi Rush also benefits from the part where, like, it's developed by Tango and, like, you know, has some degree of notoriety behind it where they were just like, hey, you know, we just made this fun little thing and it's totally different from everything we've ever done at Tango. Um, so here it is. Here you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, again, it's there's there's really, like, very specific situations where stealth dropping a game like that um can work and i think both mm. of these situations <laughs> worked really well um it's it's interesting to see this both hi-fi rush and metroid remastered um hit 
you know, within weeks of each other and both be so successful. Yeah. But also, to your, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier, Metroid Prime Remaster is something we fucking knew was coming. We just didn't oh, know yeah. when it was coming. So I think people yeah. have kind of already baked in the anticipation for that game. So even though it was a stealth drop, in many ways, it wasn't because people kind of knew it was coming. And so and yeah, there was it. there was that sort of like already like braced for impact sort of deal. Right. Um, Hi-Fi Rush was certainly like completely out of, out of, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. <laughs> um, T-Wash. Uh, asks what betrayal in any media rock your world minus when evolution betrayed Randy Orton after he retained the heavyweight belt. I don't know what that means. So (laughs) (laughs) my, mine is also evolution related hilariously. Okay. So back in 2004, um, triple H, Randy Orton, Batista and Ric Flair were in a stable called evolution, uh, which is basically kind of like a modern day four horsemen in some ways. And Randy Orton won the world title. Uh, from Chris Benoit at SummerSlam and then beat him the next night at Raw. And they had a big celebration with him in the middle of the ring. And like Batista like picked up Randy Orton on his shoulders and they were all celebrating at Triple H. You see him, he's given the thumbs up to Randy Orton. Then all of a sudden he stops and, and he, and the scowl on his face happens and he goes thumbs down. He tells Batista drop him and Batista falls backwards and they beat the shit out because he was jealous that Randy Orton was the world champion. Um, Mine was uh, when Seth Rollins broke up the shield uh, that because that, it was completely unexpected. Uh, it was just after a feud with evolution. Um, and, and the way they did it was great because the shield had beat the shit out of evolution for a couple pay-per-views in a row. Evolution looked like they were weak. Batista fucking said deuces and left WWE again for, you know, after he you know was back for his, for his cameo for a, little, a couple months and triple H is like, you know, he's like, oh, we're going to get you guys. And she was like, we've been kicking your ass. And Triple H is like, there's always a plan B. And then in the middle of the ring, here's Seth Rollins behind Roman Reigns. Dean Ambrose has a chair in hand, cocks the chair back. The best part about this, and people forget it, is when Seth Rollins hauls the chair back, you hear some dude in the crowd screaming, <laughs> before, before he nails Roman Reigns in the back. Oh. Fucking fantastic. And caught everybody by surprise like every, no nobody saw that coming at all and it was fucking devastating um i can't think of another media betrayal outside um, of wrestling <laughs> that, that affected me so much i don't I, like oh wait that's a lie i'm sorry um when and i fucking can't remember the the dude's name now um all i remember is he looked like jay uso Oh, Ryuza. That's what it was. When Re- when Ryuza fucking turned his back on you in Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, okay. Early like early on in the game and 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 sided with the uh with the Mongols. Like that uh that that hurt. Hurt you right here. Cut you deep. <laughs> um and I'm trying to think of like stuff in video games that Or for you, I would think anime would probably be where you're where you'll find uh... the greatest uh I'm, I'm going to be real. I have not watched a ton of anime recently. Like there, there's no like big betrayals in Jojo that you don't see coming mm-hmm. from a hundred miles away. Um, everything's pretty, pretty telegraphed. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like there's a big one in persona three that I'm not going to spoil. Cause there's a lot of people playing that for the first time. I'm just saying that there's mm-hmm. a big one in three. Um, probably like the, it's like the thieves guilds quest line from Skyrim where Mercer Frey, like it's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. I'm taking this for myself. I was like, how could you? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So that's about it, yeah, though. Yeah, because um, the 1% Persona 5 didn't surprise me at all. Like, 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 like I saw, no. saw that coming from a million miles away. Frank, frankly, no. I was shocked when they when I was like, hey, he's like, I'm your buddy. I'm like, are you? Like, you seem like kind of a douchebag. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you are. Good. Fantastic. <laughs> Turns out. Um... <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, like, like, really, it's mine are all wrestling related. So <laughs> that's funny. Uh, our last question of the week is from Casa, who says, "I started Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. Great game. Good choice. Have fun with it. Also, make sure you play Hacker's Memory, which is also really fun." Uh, devastated when my favorite Digimon didn't make the cut with a poster of Pokemon. Uh, Carrie, what are some of your favorite Digimon? I'm so glad you asked. No oh one ever asked me about Digimon. Um, <laughs> I love Digimon. Uh, my all-time favorite, my top-tier favorite Digimon is Demi Devimon. Um, and then after that, I really like the Agumon line, just sort of in general. Um, I like the split lines. Uh, I like the Savers end of the Agumon line, which has like Rise Greymon and Shine Greymon. I think Rise Greymon uh, looks cool as shit. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like all the Greymons. War Greymon, Rise Greymon, Shine Greymon, Black War Greymon, Skull Greymon. Give me all them Greymons. Huge fan of the Greymons. Um, yeah, I like the Devimons too. Um, my Otismon is super fucking all time cool. I mean, I I grew up watching the the anime, so like I always thought my Otismon was just like the coolest fucking bad guy because he's just like a she's a shitty vampire. Um, so yeah, look. Anytime anybody wants to talk to me about Digimon, I am here for you. And I'm here to tell you that Digimon Savers is actually the best season of the anime. And I will go into excruciating detail as to why that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, um, definitely a really fun little JRPG. Also, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth Hacker's Memory. There's a title of a game for you. <laughs> uh, has my favorite use of O Fortuna I have ever experienced in my entire life. The final boss theme opens with O Fortuna and it is so over the top dramatic. I laughed so hard. It's like, it's meant to be such a serious moment, but they like overplayed their hand and it becomes funny because of the music choice. Uh, perfect, flawless, are, would not change a thing. How are you, how are you a JRPG? And you're just going to be like, you know, rather than think of our own thing, we're just going to think of the most overused, like, dramatic So, like, it opens with O Fortuna, and then it goes into, like, a fucking, like, battle theme, like, original from there. Okay. But they sample, like, the chorus of O Fortuna, and I'm just like, beautiful, perfect, so <laughs> overdramatic, so unnecessary. 10 out of 10 would not change a thing. Thank you, Hacker's Memory. <laughs> Very cool. Well, that uh, that concludes the post office, which, again, you can submit your questions to us by going to densepixels.com slash fans, which means that that is a wrap on this week's show. Again, don't forget to subscribe to this show as well as all the other TNP Studio shows wherever you download fine podcasts. You can subscribe on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash densepixels. You can go to Twitch. Twitch.tv slash densepixels. You can also check out our individual channels. Carrie is up. It's Carrie. She streams the most. Uh, I'm Which is not bread. often. I stream even no. less. What, and what, what you should do? What you should do is uh, follow my band on YouTube at Quick Safe Band on YouTube. That's that's what I should be plugging. 
because uh, that's where all my creative energy goes into these days. And uh, since I'm talking about it, and since I'm going to be fucking busy, and I don't know how many uh, podcast episodes I'm going to have time for in the next few weeks, I'm just going to go ahead and plug on my upcoming shows. Now, I'm doing three <laughs> shows over the course of about 10 days next month. After, like I'm going to go to Disney with my in-laws, and then I'm going to come back and do a bunch of shows. So I hope no one needs anything from me next month, because I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, on March... 11th i will be and by i i mean quick save uh quick save will be part of bonus stage it's music online it's free uh we will be playing at twitch.tv slash bonus stage van that's van short for vancouver uh not the van down by the river that your nasty uncle lives in uh <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll be we'll be on there at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific and a few of our local buddies will also be on that show and then the week after that march 18th if you live in delaware you can come see us play at international groove records in newark delaware with our buddy mon so that is video game night at international groove records we're just going to be hanging out it's five bucks at the door come hang out come see us we got a lot of a lot of great tunes planned uh and then if you're here in baltimore you can come see us on march 22nd down at the auto bar with our friends in Thrill Killer, as well as Button Masher, Grammy winner, by the way, and Crunk Witch. So uh, definitely come hang out if you are interested in video game music and uh, you want to just fucking come out, wag your finger on a Wednesday down in Baltimore. Delightful. It so. is. I'm going to be so burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Well, that's it for us this week. Thank you guys very much for watching and listening, and we'll see you all the next time. See ya.